Welcome to Connection. We have, uh, first of all, I want to say thanks for coming. (laughs) Next of all, I want to say welcome. If this is your first time with us at Connection, you're our guest. You're part of our family. You're not a visitor. You're not anybody that, that, uh, that is any less important. You are part of this, this, this church that we call Connection. My name is Matt Griswold. The, the gentleman that, uh, that led worship this morning's name was Jack Bain. And uh, I usually lead worship here. And on, on a certain Sunday that I get, to, I get to preach, I have to find different people. And I asked Jack, I said, hey man, would you, would you lead worship? Now, if I came up to you and said, hey, whatever your name is, you want to lead worship? Some of you would run. <laughs> Some of you would, would, like, never want to see me again. Uh, listen, I don't operate like that, but I knew Jack was, was capable. We have, we have talked before. He's, he's one of our singers. And I said, hey, man, I need, I need, you, to, I need you to lead. And you and the band did well this morning. And uh, the guy that usually preaches is sitting over here. His name is Mike Davis. This morning, and this is not for our guests, but in this, this morning, if you have a message map, I want you to turn it open. Uh, this is what we call our message map. It's the bulletin. It's a handout. We call it a message map here. If you have it folded and you just open it all the way up on the right-hand side on the top of the line, it says, touch someone's life gift. And this is not for guests. This is for regular attenders, okay? This is for connection people. On the fourth Sunday of the month, Connection is seeking to do something that's just different, okay? We're seeking to reach people that other churches aren't reaching. That's, that's our whole goal in this. But on the fourth Sunday, we pass around paper bags, and we're not looking for 20s and 50s, okay? We're looking for nickels, dimes, quarters, dollars, whatever. Whatever you feel like you want to give. Uh, in, a, in a minute, they're going to have uh, sacks, and those guys can go ahead and, and get on that, uh, get on your areas to pass those out. But when it comes by you, you just drop it in the bag, and it keeps going, okay? No big deal. But I want to let you know something. At Connection, we have decided, the lead team has decided, the people that we have, or that are in charge, have decided this. That they want to step back and say, this is God's thing. If it goes by you and you say, you know what, I need 10 bucks to make a payment on a bill, take it out of the bag. Okay, we are here to minister to you. When this, when this goes back and gets counted, we're going well, to, at the end of this sermon, I'll hand it out to some people. And all they're going to do is they're going to take it into the community. They're going to pray. They're going to ask God to show them someone. They're going to walk up to them, hand them the bag, and bless them with a monetary gift. Not during the sermon, but here are two stories. Not during the sermon, but here are two stories you can read later in the week. Okay? Let's turn in our Bibles. If you have your Bible, I'd like you to open to uh, Mark chapter 10. We are going to be in the, uh, the 32nd verse, Mark chapter 10. If you have one of the New Testaments from the hallway, it's page 39. If you don't know where Mark is, in the very, in the very front of your Bible... Mine has one of my bookmarks in it. It's the table of contents. Look under where it says Mark. It'll give you a page number. Just flip to the, flip to the right. You're going to find Mark. But we pick it up in chapter 10. 
If you've been regular to Connection, if you've been here and visiting with us or you stay with us for a, for a little while, you know that Mike has been preaching through Luke. Right now in Luke, where we are, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. This is just Mark's picture of about the same time frame, okay? We catch up to Jesus with the 12 disciples, and they're heading towards Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is where Jesus is going to be crucified. He knows this. In Mark's gospel, we find often that Jesus is teaching his disciples alone or in a place away from big crowds. Now, how many people, just a show of hands, how many people watch the season finale of season two of Duck Dynasty? Okay, we won't say anything, so people have seen it. But I will tell you something about it. It has nothing to do with the program. Check this out. Almost 10 million people tuned in to watch the finale of Duck Dynasty. If you take what Duck Dynasty is now and you magnify it by about 150, this is the popularity of Jesus at this time. Okay, Jesus is a rock star. I don't care if you like Kiss, if you like ACDC, if you like Metallica, Jesus is bigger in this time frame where he is than all of them. If you have Bieber fever, no? Okay. <laughs> Jesus, we find Jesus and he, and he has his disciples and sometimes these huge crowds are just, they're too much. Some of us, man, just anxious talking about big crowds. In a big crowd, see, Jesus wouldn't be the only one talking. Everybody, everybody wants to get a piece of Jesus. Okay, I'm telling you, if, if the... The, the person that you just hold that you would just want to meet the rest of your life, if you could meet one person, you could die happy. If that person walked through here, you would do whatever you could to get to him. Would you not? This is what these people are seeing with Jesus. So in these big crowds, they get squished and they get cramped. What Jesus does here, he's going to take them aside. And there's a point to what he's doing. It says, everybody wanted to talk, touch, and see Jesus. He was more popular than the Duck Dynasty could ever dream of. Verse 32 in chapter, chapter 10 of Mark. says, They were now on the way up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. We have to stop and check out the word ahead, because Jesus is leading. Jesus is leading the disciples to a town where he knows that he's going to be crucified. He's teaching them that doing what God wants is the first priority in his life. I catch that. He's leading. He know, Jesus knows, he understands that he is going to be the way between humans and God. He's going to provide that sacrifice. He knows that. Talk about being anxious. Talking about having anxiety and worry. He knows. Listen, Jesus was all man, but he was all God too. He knows what's going to happen to him. Yet he leads his men. He's teaching them that doing what God wants is the first priority in his life. It goes on. It says, the disciples were filled with awe. Can we just stop and say, duh, this is Jesus. Okay, can you imagine if you got to follow Jesus around for three and a half years like these guys did? They, they, would, just, they would just sit back. Now, these guys are used to him. You know, a, a person that's sick comes up to Jesus. You know, Mark and Andrew, hey, watch this. <laughs> He's going to heal them. <laughs> and poof, they walk away. You know, James and John are kind of elbowing each other. Hey, watch this. this guy's never walked. Watch, watch this. He goes, let's, let's watch these people that are going to watch Jesus do this for the first time. They were in constant awe of this man. 
People that study the Bible are not sure completely why they were in awe. They would possibly have been amazed because of Jesus' knowledge. If you followed Jesus around like they did, do you think there would be amazement? He keeps going. It says, And the people following behind were overwhelmed with fear. So Jesus is leading his disciples and the people. And, and it says this word fear. Here's what it says. These people were not scared of Jesus, or they wouldn't be following him, but more like they were kind of anxious. They sensed. Jesus keeps talking. This is the third time. The third time in Mark that Jesus mentions something about his death. Okay, so you, you keep talking about death. These people are getting... These people are getting a little bit upset. Most of the people that were following Jesus were probably on their way to Jerusalem to take part in a feast. Okay? These, would have been, these would have been Jewish people that made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to eat a feast. It keeps going. It says, Taking the twelve disciples aside, Jesus once more began to describe everything that was about to happen. Whole lot. Jesus took time and brought his brothers these men that were close to him together, and he began to speak to them. Now listen, he went from big crowd, arena, arena, or this could be the big crowd of people, and he would have grabbed the 12, and he would say, here, i got to talk to you over here. And he would get them alone to where he could communicate with them so he could teach them. Jesus taught in a constant act of mentoring. He knew these guys were going to take over for what he was doing after he was gone. Remember, he's all God. He, he knows it all. He knows that in a very short time he's going to be gone. He's, he's prepping these guys. At Connection, we have a mentoring program. We meet one-on-one, girls with girls, guys with guys, and we meet for 30, 40, 45 minutes a week. We study God's Word. Why? Because it's an intimate environment. You learn a lot more in an intimate environment than you would in a big crowd. Jesus is teaching the same thing. These people at Connection learn what God has for them, and they have come ready to listen. These men are no different. Can you imagine? Everything that comes out of Jesus' mouth is truth. They just want to be smudged. They're trying to soak it all up. So Jesus began to explain what was going to happen when they got to Jerusalem. Verse 33 says this. He says, listen, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man. Jesus refers to him as the Son of Man. In the Old Testament, son of man was used very often. People get confused. If you read through this quick, who's the son of man? Okay, it's Jesus and he was a man. Okay, we got it. Listen. Remember he has a crowd and this is, this is why. He says the son of man is used a whole lot in the Old Testament. Most of the time, it's talking about a human in context. In the book of Daniel, 500 years before Jesus, the book of Daniel, in the Old Testament, we find words that can help us with the term son of man. Daniel had a vision. <laughs> vision. He saw the future in a dream. We go to that next slide. It says this. It's chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man coming in the clouds of heaven. What Daniel saw was the second coming of Jesus. Okay? He approached the ancient one and was led into his presence. Okay? He's talking about God. But Jesus is God's Messiah. God has given Jesus the authority. Okay, you don't get into that relationship without having the right code. <laughs> hey, you don't get into a, a vault without the right process, without the right touch. Jesus is God's appointed Messiah. 
Verse 14, it goes on. It says, He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal and it will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. This is almost exactly of what we hear out of the New Testament, guys, later when Jesus is living. Here's the deal. If Daniel wrote this 500 years before, and the people that were following Jesus, okay, if they have their, li- I, have a, I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, I have to say this quite often, do you have your listening ears on? If you teach school or have been around school-age children, maybe your husband, no laughs, okay. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Do you have your listening ears on? Now, what, what should have registered with these people, it should have said this. Jesus is talking ahead of them, and, he's, and he mentions the term son of man. If you would have heard that, and you would have been a Jew that would have been into the Bible, into God's word, you would have known Daniel's prophecy about saying the son of man. That should have clicked right there. Holy cow, this is the dude. This is him. It should have clicked with him. That's why he uses it. 500 years before Jesus came, calling himself the Son of Man, the prophecy of Daniel said said that God's Messiah would be like the Son of Man. There are no loopholes in this word. This just shows you that 500 years, and they use the same terms. It goes on in verse 33, on to the next screen. We're going to pick it up. Well, we'll be betrayed right after the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. Jesus' followers should have not been surprised at what would happen. Jesus didn't, didn't leave them in the dark. You ever been left in the dark in a whole conversation? Or somebody tells you that you need to do something, but they don't give you all the details? It's like somebody showing up. Uh, we, last summer I put together a trampoline for our oldest daughter, Emma. It would have been not funny if my wife would have taken the instructions out of the box. She said, hey, there's a trampoline in the backyard. Can you put it together? <laughs> no. See, I'm not a put-her-together person. <laughs> I can take it apart. If it involves a hammer, yes, I can take it apart. But see, Jesus doesn't leave him in the dark. They have all of the stuff. That's why he's teaching this. He doesn't leave him in the dark. Often in his word, he tells us that the result of our behavior, both are correct and are wrong, Unfortunately, they did not hear what Jesus was saying to them. It was right over their head. We have to be careful we don't do the same thing. Do we really hear what God is saying to us? It goes on in the scripture. They will sentence him to die and hand him over to the Romans. They will mock him and spit on him, flog him with a whip and kill him. But after three days, he will rise again. Jesus is proving that he is God in human form right here. Not only does he say, hey, we're going to go to Jerusalem where the Son of Man is going to die. That went over their head. He says this. They're going to do exactly as I say. He will be betrayed, sentenced to death, handed over to the Gentiles, mocked, spit, flogged on, executed, and then he will be resurrected from the dead. He predicted everything that would happen to once again prove his power, that he was who Daniel, 500 years before, said that he was. He's God's Messiah. The religious people wanted to get rid of Jesus. They did not like the lives that were changing around this man they called Jesus. 
they did not have that effect on people. They did not have the effect that Jesus had. Jesus doesn't always do it the way that we want, is what they would say. Jesus, we get that you go to the synagogue, that's great, but healing these people, I'm not into that. It's not the way we've always done it. See, that's not a new argument. It's not the way that we've always done it. It's different, it's, then it's wrong. We could tend to behave the same way that these people were behaving. The disciples have been with Jesus for three years. They have a very intimate relationship with him. They know how he talks. They know how he walks. They know how he walks when he's tired. They know what he looks like when he's sleeping. They, listen, people, they knew if Jesus snored or not. Okay? If they had gum, which I don't know that they did. They probably didn't. They probably had some sort. But they knew what kind he liked. If Jesus played Xbox 360, they would know what game he liked. It was intimate. They were very close to him. Yet he is, re- he is reminding them for the third time what's going to happen. And, and when he is gone, he's going to be gone. And it's going to be them. From the influence of others in their life, the people around Jesus that were following him. The reason that it went over their head, because they weren't looking for a, a, a Messiah like Jesus. They weren't looking for a Messiah or a, or a king to come that would serve other people. This is what they were looking for. They were looking for the power. They were looking for King David to come back. They were looking for the gold and the power and the awesomeness. And Jesus is known throughout the whole world. Yet Jesus was born in a stable with animals. And the New Testament tells us that he didn't come to be served, but to serve. It's not the way it's always been done. They wanted to see Jesus, the Messiah, do it the way they were expecting and the way that they wanted. But instead, Jesus spoke to them about things happening like betrayal and death. Things would not be as they wanted. But if they did the things that Jesus wanted them to do, it would lead to this victory. No, you're not going to be popular, guys. But in the end, you will win. Following Jesus will always lead to victory. How many times does it take for God to ask you to do certain things in church? Jesus is asking these guys for the third time. Are you going to do what I'm asking you to do? Listen, I'm telling you this again. I just want to make sure that when I'm gone that you understand this. How many times does it take for God to ask you to get involved at church? Connect group. Participate in worship. How many times does it take for God to remind us before it registers in our head? How many times? Well, if you have your message map... I'd like you to open it to where there's blanks to be filled in. How about this? Do you suffer from spiritual select hearing? Does anybody know what select hearing is? (laughs) The husbands are shaking their head. Somebody got it, thank you. (laughs) 
If you're in your room when you were growing up and your mom or your dad or whoever you lived with said, hey, it's time to eat. And for me, I grew up playing the original Nintendo, the gray box one, the one that is the best. Okay? And I'll never forget this. My sister and I rode a bus to school. And in the morning, if we got everything done, we could play video games before school. But when the bus came, we were going to school. I'm in level 8-4 on Super Mario Brothers. This is a big day. This is a big day. Okay, and I'm like this, and I, and I get to the bridge, okay, and he like blows fire, and you know, if he does it five times, and he comes at you, and he jumps, and you can go under him. I hope I didn't ruin that for anybody that's never beat it, but here's the deal. We went under it, and I jumped up, and I, and I had beat the game, and at that exact moment, my mom goes, the bus is here. I just beat this game I've been trying forever to beat. So what did I do? I did what every rational kid would do. I kept playing. (laughs) And then after the second or third warning, and I knew I was at that level, I was right there. I'm like, man, I can either go to the bus or I can, like, get thrown to the bus. So I I push start. Start pauses it, okay? My mom left it on pause all day so I could get back and, and, and see what's going on. I'm surprised it didn't burn a hole in the TV, but it, that's what happened. But I had select hearing. Listen, I was doing what I wanted to do. I'm like, 8-4, eight, 8-4, four, eight, four. I'm little, I, don't, I can't die, I can't hit anything. I won. The bus is here. <laughs> we have to have the ability to open our ears to what God has to say. Do you only hear what you want to hear from God? If God wants you to be in a position of more authority, are you okay with that? Maybe you like to be behind the scenes. What if God wants you to step out? Are you okay with having more responsibility and being a part of big things that people see? Some people don't like that. Some people, that's all they run to. But some people don't like that. I know someone in this church that they've told me they'd rather be behind the scenes. But it's not the way that it is. Some believers would say that this is where they are called. To be in the light at all times. See, some people, some people go for that. They gravitate towards, I want to be in the middle of it, I want to be this, I want to be this. What about this? What about if we reverse that, and what if God asks you to be involved with a ministry and you get to clean a toilet? I said something to our ladies this morning. I said, here's the deal. I said, I have been in a school before, and I've been in an elementary school. That's Okay. The elementary school bathrooms, however, are a different world. Sometimes they don't smell the greatest. But we have people that show up early, and their job is to clean the bathroom so when you show up, it smells good. And I came out of the bathroom, and I said, it smells awesome in there. I know the alternative. It smells way better. What about if he asks you to run a vacuum, make coffee, set up or tear down the stage, teach children, Singer play in the praise band. The disciples were being taught by Jesus how to serve. Not to be served, but how to serve. And the kingdom of God is not about being in the spotlight. It's about doing the things for others with a humble heart. We're getting ready to meet two gentlemen in this verse of scripture that have them a little out of whack. Have their priorities a little out of whack. Okay. Verse 35. Chapter 10. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, we want you to do us a favor. Okay, 
Let's rewind. Jesus has just said what they should understand as, I'm getting ready to go to Jerusalem. They're going to beat me, flog me, hit me in the head, put a crown of thorns on me, put me on a cross, and I'm going to die. And these two guys go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, seriously, can you do us a favor, though? Do you get this? They run up to Jesus and say, Jesus, how can we help? No, no, no. They ask Jesus to do a favor for them. Is this what we do? Going back to the video with the genie. Okay? I don't think that Aladdin's lamp exists, okay? But that's a good picture for you to see. Do we say, hey, God, I know you saved me. I know what you've done for me. Hey, you healed me from this. That's awesome. I know about Jesus dying for me. I have a relationship with him. It's awesome. I'm seriously grateful. But this thing that you want me to do, this, this opportunity that you want me to take, can it possibly wait till it's convenient with me? In a sense, that's exactly what these guys are saying. Okay, that's, that's good. But how about me? Jesus, we want you to do a favor for us. In your next blank in your message map says this. When the world screams, serve me, Jesus is saying to serve others. When the world screams, serve me, Jesus is saying serve others. It goes right on. So can you imagine what you would say if you were Jesus? You know you're going to die, and you know that you've told these guys three times now, already in this book of of Mark, you've told them three times what's going to go on, and they still don't get it. And in fact, they don't get it so badly that they say, yeah, that's great. Would you do us a favor? Verse 36, Jesus says, what is your request he asked? If nowhere else in the Bible, this is the place that I have to go to check out the patience that he used with these guys. He had every right, Jesus had every right to seriously rebuke them. You know what? Shut up, you're wrong. Completely okay. But watch what he does. It's like he takes a deep breath, he turns around and he says, what do you need? He's so gentle. The the man that is walking on this earth that could call down any power that has ever existed avoids an argument and he steps to the side and he says, uh, in his head, these guys really don't understand. How, uh, what's your request? What can I do? This is the point of the conversation in which you're trying to explain something to someone. Have you ever tried to explain something to someone who does not get it and you don't think there's ever a miracle in heaven that they will get it? If Jason Wheeler took me out and he gave me a blueprint and he taught me how to build things with wood. (laughs) First of all, you should YouTube it because it's going to be bad. He would, he would have this conversation with me all day. I can't believe you don't get this. I can't believe that you don't do this so it supports this weight and does this. 
Give me a hammer, I'll tear it down. That's what I get. Better if it explodes and uses fire and things like that. It's good. Jason would run away from me screaming. And we don't see Jesus doing that. We said, okay. <laughs> he takes a deep breath. He turns around. He says, what's your request? Some people in my life have to think like this. They're like, man, this guy does not get this. He does not get this. I'm going to have patience with him. He's full of compassion. He doesn't take his time to rebuke them. He takes his time to teach them. Verse 37. says, they replied, when you sit on your glorious throne... We want to sit in places of honor next to you. One on your right and the other on the left. The key words in this verse, they wanted to sit in places of honor. In this world and in movies, Talladega Nights, if you're not first, you're... Thank you, movie people. If you are not first, you are last. Listen, these guys only saw Will Ferrell's mindset. If you're not first, you're last. That's what they saw. We want to be important. We've been, you, uh, you know, we've been, we've been normal guys. You've taught us for three years. We get to hang around with you. We feel like a rock star celebrities now. You know, we're, we're, we're part of the crew. We want to be big shots, guy. I want, I want to be big shots, Jesus. I want to sit next to you. During their lifetime... It is no different than it is today. If you don't have the best job, you have the worst job. That's our mindset. What this tells us that before the crucifixion and the resurrection, Jesus has not died yet. He has not been raised back from the dead. But they realized this. They knew. There's hidden stuff in it. They knew that he was the Messiah. Why? Because they believed what he said. Even if they didn't get it. (laughs) When you sit in your glorious throne, they knew he was God's son. They knew that. Before anything else. Unfortunately, these verses portray two men seeking worldly things. Here's what they wanted. They wanted fame, honor, glory, power. They wanted to be the starting quarterback in the Super Bowl and the winning pitcher of Game 7 of the World Series. They wanted to be the best hunter who ever lived. They, they sought recognition. They wanted to be the richest person in the world. They wanted to own the most property. They wanted to do the most things. The coolest and fastest car. And they couldn't be wrong in asking this question based on their own mindset because of this. They couldn't be wrong because there's two of them. And they justified it together. Let's go ask Jesus if he'll let us both sit on each side of him. That sounds like a great idea. I think so too. They justified it. Okay? In their mind, they're asking something that's okay. They have no idea what they're asking. But they're asking it because somebody else agrees with them. They're okay with it. Be careful. In other words, their position must be correct because somebody else believes it's correct. That is often how Satan gets us to go the wrong way. Another individual or group of individuals agree with us or our opinion. It must be correct. It must be. Especially if it works out for us. 
we have to be reminded of 1 Corinthians 15.33 that says, Bad company corrupts good character. These two fellows, having corrupted each other by agreeing that it's, a, it's okay to ask Jesus, be aware that those who tell you it's okay to not do what God says because of what they say is wrong. The next blank in your message map. These guys couldn't believe what Jesus was telling them. But at Connection, we believe that God wants us to serve. We are doing something out of the box in this church. Ladies and men show up, set up a stage. They pick up all of the tables and they slide them to one end in the cafeteria down there. There's a lot of kids that eat lunch here. There's a lot of tables in that room. There's a lot of grime in those bathrooms and fingerprints on the windows. Yet people show up to clean it so when you walk in, it's clean and nice. They're serving. Being on top is not the goal at this church. And it will never be that. We are not interested in numbers or size, but here's what we're interested in. We're interested in lives being changed for the better. If you don't think that that goes on, you come and talk to me. And if you're a girl, I'll send you to a lady. And if you're a man, I'll send you to a man. And they will personally look at you and explain to you how different their life is now than what it used to be. Because of because how great connection is? No. Because of the intentional study that they're doing and allowing God to change them to be servant. What, what I find really not odd is when you talk to these types of people that, that, that can tell me that, they can tell you that, those are the people that are doing the serving. They're not afraid. <laughs> they're not they're like, oh yeah, this is cool. I want, I want to do this. I want to get involved. It goes on in verse 38. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. The places of honor that you seek, you have no idea what you're talking about. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Again, he is talking in language that's going right over their head. Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I will be baptized with? Jesus is intentionally sharp here. You don't understand what I'm telling you. It's like Jesus was speaking Greek and they didn't speak Greek. Or he was speaking Spanish and they didn't know any Spanish. It is direct and to the point and he did not mince words. Just before that, he took time away, and instead of yelling at them, he taught them. But right here, he says, do you think you're able to do this? 39, arrogance enters. Oh, yeah! We can do that. We are able. James and John arrogantly say yes, but they have no clue what Jesus is really talking about. There is no possible human way they can fathom the pain that Jesus is getting ready to endure. They are naive to what will take place. All they are concerned about is the power, the glory, the honor, the endorsement deals, the big car, big house that they want. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. 
Jesus is telling them that they will suffer and be persecuted for being one of his followers. James did suffer. In Acts 12, 2, he died for his faith. John suffered also. He's forced to live in exile on the island of Patmos, which is away from Greece. He was sent out there to be by himself. Revelation 1, 9. Followers of Jesus will suffer today. That suffering will most likely involve the misunderstanding of those who do not follow Jesus. How about this? This is going to make a whole lot more sense. How many would say that 85 or more percent of the people you hang out with that are not believers or they don't don't follow what Jesus would do in their life or they don't understand, how many people would say that that many friends of, of theirs understand why you go to church. Okay, let me make this simple. None. Not very many. Okay? When you do things because God wants you to do them, it doesn't make sense to somebody that doesn't have the head knowledge or the heart knowledge of God. It doesn't. I have people ask me this week, you show up early to clean bathrooms. Why? See, they don't, they don't get it. They, 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 don't under, they don't understand why we do this. You wash the windows before church? Yeah, sure do. It is easy to say that we will endure anything for Christ, yet most of us complain about some of the most minor inconveniences or problems that come with being a follower of Jesus. Often, Those problems and that conflict and that suffering comes from serving others. Being in contact with other humans. Verse 40, it says, But I have no right to say, Who will sit on my right or my left? God has prepared those places for the ones who He has chosen. Right here we see a submission of Jesus. Okay? We, we already learned that Jesus is God's chosen Messiah. But Jesus is all God, and God being the Father, he said, that's not even for me to choose, guys. I can't. You can't give something away that's not yours, right? To grant who sits behind him in the kingdom of heaven, in heaven wasn't even his choice. God the Father has the authority for what the Bible says, those who have been prepared. Verse 41, when the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. Okay, that's a very nice way of saying they were extremely irate. They were not happy. Why not? Because they'd been following Jesus for the same amount of time. What makes these two more special? They thought of it first. They thought of it first. If there's one piece of pie and there's two people, you know where this is going. It's either the first person to ask for it or the first person to take it gets it, right? That's the way the world works. You're first or you're last. That's it. That's the only thing that they could get across. The Greek word for indignant means to be much displeased. The other ten disciples all saw this scenario as James and John going after the biggest piece of the pie. The biggest piece of the prize. They did not like this at all and they want... now. They didn't like it at all because 
James and John would have success? No. They didn't like it because it didn't include them. They didn't get it too. What, what the, the rationale in their head was doing this. Okay, if Jesus sits in a chair, throne, whatever he does, and he sits on a throne, how many sides does he have? He has a left side and he has a right side. There's only two. There's 12 of them. These two ask first. They're not mad that they ask first. They're mad that they didn't ask before them. See, the, their mindset is crazy. But I want, I want to be powerful. I want to, I want to be in the spotlight. I want, to, I want to have this. So when these two acted and they asked Jesus, can you imagine? Have you seen, have you seen two siblings fight over things like grand's butter biscuits? See, they're laughing. You know, if you cut a, crescent, a Pillsbury crescent roll in half, is it exactly in half? Do we need to break out a ruler to be fair? That's exactly the kind of games that these guys are playing. It goes on in verse 42. So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this world lord over their people and officers their authority over those under them. Jesus had already talked to them about their spirit of being ahead of each other and their jealousy of one another. Jesus has already spoke to them that they are equal. And he's already told them if they wanted to be great, then they were to serve. They were to pick up, like the guy said, he wanted to be the highest, so he shows back up and he has a broom in his hand. Verse 43, but among you it will be different. Whoever whoever wants to be a leader among you must first be a servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. In this world today, here's here's the scenario. In this world today, people work five or six days a week for 15 to 90 hours. They get the worst parking spot at work. Always, just ask them. They have the worst job. Just ask them. They They work for the worst boss. They get the worst pay. Regardless if any of that is actually true, that's what they see all they see. I wish I had this. I wish I had this. In a world that has blindsided the people on it, if you're not first, you're last. At Connection, we're seeking and asking people to do things that do not make any sense to this world. None. We're asking people to park farther from the door so that the front spaces at the church are open to our guests and asking people to sit up front to give our guests the chance to sit in the back where they can feel more comfortable. The guests that we have come in and visit, and they get to park up front and sit in the back. If my wife and I go to the store together or to the mall together or or wherever we go, it involves parking spaces. The spots that are closest to the door, and since we have let this permeate our mind, we have changed this, but what we used to say the closest spots to the door was, are what we refer to as rock star parking up front. If you ever go to a concert or you see somebody get dropped off in a limo, they don't get dropped off in a limo in the back of the parking lot. They get dropped off right in front of the door. This is the rock star parking. And, and we laugh about that. Now it's turned into, hey, you know what? We can walk. It's at the grocery store. In all honesty, you have to push your cart about 20 more yards. It's really not a big deal. 
The spots in the front of the parking lot and the back are those of the importance that we, that we have this, this, this mentality about it. Some of you are saying, I like sitting in the back. I love parking up front. I really want to apologize to you personally right now. But in these verses we just read, Jesus says, it's not about us or our preferences. It's not about that. It's about him. It's about being servants and reaching people around Mount Vernon and teaching them and allowing God to change their life. The first part of verse 43, it says, but among you it will be different. For connection people, it will be different if you choose to do so. God is raising up a church of people. Now watch this. Are willing to say, this is what I like, but if this is what I need to do, I'll do this. You may think, that's not the style of music that I like. That's not the style of preaching that I like. They don't do the things that I think they should do. I have one, one guy in particular that stood out in my mind when I was thinking about the, these verses, and he goes to Connection. No names. He told me one time, he said this, he said, Matt, I was taught that when you come to church, you dress up in the, the best clothes you have. This man owns suits, many, ties, nice dress shoes. And he told me this. He said, it is my instinct, what I want to do when I wake up is to go to my closet, oh, this suit will look good, and put on my suit and do my hair, some cologne, look good, polish your shoes, make your belt shiny, make it look nice, and come to church. He said, it is my, in my heart of hearts that I want to dress up to come to church. Now, if you come into connection in a suit, awesome. You know, she said it on the video, if you heard it, the dress code for connection is please do. Thank you. The dress code is please do. Okay, clothes are good. Okay, now what this gentleman told me was this. He said that's what I want to do, but what I've noticed is this: the people that connection is reaching aren't of my mindset, and they don't wear suits. And he looked at me and he goes, "I've never seen you in a suit except one funeral." I go, "Yeah. If you want to see me in a suit, it's at a funeral or a wedding." And the wedding only if I have to. But he, he told me this, and this is, this is the big point. He said, if it makes someone, anyone, one person, he said, I'm going to, in a sense, metaphorically, I'm going to die to what I want. And I'm going to put on khakis, jeans, polo, you know, a polo, wear tennis shoes, nothing dress. But he was willing to say that. He's willing to say I'm going to give up what I want if it makes somebody that's a guest that comes in, if it makes them feel more comfortable, I'm going to do it. That is exactly what Jesus is telling these people right here. There's another person that goes to connection and they they voice their opinion. They weren't complaining. They weren't. And they said, you know, I'll be ready for our building and I won't have to do this job anymore. And I said, we're going to have what you're doing at our new building. Oh. And I go, what's oh means? And uh, they said, well, it's just not my favorite thing in the world to do. It's not. And I said, you do the best job of this that I've ever seen in five years here. 
the best. And that person looked at me after a couple seconds of silence and picking her words very carefully. She said, if that's what God wants me to do and I can make somebody feel more comfortable, I'll do it. We are not, we are not a cookie cutter church. We are full of people that will put what they want They'll put the first place trophy away and say, I'll do the job. I'll run the race. We are not going to be a group of people that's the status quo. We will give money to people in need. We will give up our vehicles, our time, our energy, whatever is necessary. This kind of church is not commonplace for the world. It's not. We are going to meet people where they are. A very inspirational person I heard personally give this quote. He said this, Some people have not been reached and we have the tools to reach them because we will do whatever it takes short of sinning to reach them for God. We will do whatever it takes short of sinning to reach them for God. We've seen one person Dress a certain way. We've seen another person say, I'll do this if it's needed to be done. We have people come in and they clean bathrooms and they park in the back and they sit up front. This is not common. This is not common. And your message map says this. Are you willing to do whatever it takes? Next screen for your message. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to reach people in our community? Peter came to an understanding of what Jesus meant. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, it says, And now a word to you who are elders in the churches. I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. He, he was getting persecuted. And I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world, when he comes back again. As a fellow elder. He's writing this because he says, Hey, I'm a leader. I understand what's going on. As a fellow leader, I appeal to you Care for the flock that God has entrusted you with. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord over it like the people, don't lord over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own, excuse me, good example. And when the great shepherd appears, Jesus, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. In the same way, you younger men must accept the authority of the elders and all of you. Serve each other in humility, for God opposes the proud, but he favors the humble. He's writing as a leader, leading people that don't always do what he asks them to do. He gets it. You want to see example? Watch this. Our lead team acts as the elders, like the elders, to connection. That's what we call it. They lead just as verse 3 says. Lisa Lips has given time and effort to keep all the financial records and leads one of the preschool classes. Example. Neely Glenn has given time and effort to keep all the church business records and leads one of the connect groups. Example. Jason Settle has given himself to help set up and take down. He shows up at the property site to help work. 
example. Jason Berry has given his effort to help, help set up and take down. He too has shown up at the new property to help. Example. Bob Gentry. Gives himself to bring the biggest trailer every week. He leads us in setting up and taking down, involved in getting the property ready. The leadership of this church does not lord over its people. That's normal. These people know how to do this, and they get their hands dirty. You are not going to find that everywhere. Peter gets it. He said, man, if you have people... I get it. I'm a leader. I know, what, I know what that is. And he said, what you need to do is you need to show them how to serve. Listen, you don't get shown how to serve better than this church. People show up. And they work. And they set up. And, and they play instruments. And, and, they, and they lead when, they're, when it's not comfortable. And they sing. And, and they show up to a Wednesday night practice. And they meet with people. And it's not convenient. And they lead by example. We see great words about this in verse 45 in Mark. It says, For even the Son of Man came to be, not to be served, but to serve others. This is the whole entire basis of Jesus' ministry. We see this throughout everything that He does on earth while He lives. It permeates all of His instructions to His followers. And that verse ends with this. And to give His life as a ransom for many. This is the motive of Jesus' ministry. The Son, Jesus, He came for one reason to save us. That saving means He came to bring you back into a relationship with God. And deep down, whether you want to admit it or not, that is what we all long for. That is the missing piece of the puzzle. Jesus himself set the bar for servanthood. And when he stepped off of a holier-than-holy throne to come here, he didn't lord himself over people. He didn't say, you guys do this because I said so. Jesus never said anything that he wasn't willing to do himself. We have people that are leading us right now that say, I'll ask you to do this. I'll do it with you. Or I've already been doing it for five years. I want a place for you to plug in. Connection is not going to be the common place in this world. It's not going to be the common church. It's going to be a place where people can come and get their hands dirty and serve. And we're going to continue that serving right now. Can I have those gifts, please? Right. I'm going to ask Gary McClintock and Rita Watkinson. Would you come and give these away? $155. Or was it each? Okay. It's 310. I taught PE, but I'm okay with math. These two people are going to go out with these sacks of money, 155 on each bag. You know what? There's some days, there's some days that 
this lady over here that we've had, and some people have come up and they said, you know what? Take five bucks. Go to the dollar menu. We're not too proud to do that. We love the dollar menu. But that was a big deal. Five bucks was a big deal. Can you imagine the impact that somebody's going to have with 155? This is what this means. $310 that we just collected. Because you were willing to roll up your sleeves and get involved. Serve, not to be served. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Dear God, we thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity to, to come to this church, God, to worship with these people. And I thank you so much, God, that you, you, when you talk through Mark and his scripture, that we're just reminded that how, how, we, how we need to stay humble in our actions, God. And it's not about being in the, in the limelight, but it's about serving. God, help us keep on serving. I thank you for these giving people in this church. I thank you for the leadership and the example they set. Thank you for the people that dig in and they get their hands dirty in ministry and they serve. In your name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.